Eddie gets his first senior cap for England and Charlie Patino names the gunner who has inspired him to succeed out on loan. We'll also take some of your questions on this short edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Let's go live. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. It's day six of the international break and now I'm kind of struggling. I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> um, let me know in the comments what you guys are doing to get through this difficult period, uh, shall we say. Some of the internationals are worth a watch. For example, I enjoyed uh, watching Greece uh, against the Republic of Ireland the other night. Massive, massive day, uh, of course, or, or massive result for Greece given that they stand a pretty good chance now of qualifying. They've got some difficult fixtures to come. They play the Netherlands on Monday, which has just become a massive game. They also take on France in their final game. The Netherlands do have a game in hand, so it's not done. Um, it's not even close to being done, but just to have Greece in the mix um, at this stage in a qualification campaign is pretty exciting. Um, I have been watching India versus Pakistan in the cricket this morning, and I've enjoyed it uh, so far. I really, really have. Um, I'm looking forward to getting back to that after this uh, podcast is uh, recorded and out there. And then, of course, uh, I'm going to watch the rugby a little bit later on. Uh, there's influence of boxing, if you're into that kind of thing. Um, I know Tommy Fury is technically a boxer, but I think he's pretty much moved across, hasn't he, into the influencer space. He's certainly uh, more famous in that than he is in the boxing world. You know, the name Fury carries a lot of weight and, and that's great for him, but... Yeah, I'm not a big fan of influencer boxing. Maybe we'll talk about that later if we run out of stuff uh, to sink our teeth into. Uh, a big uh, hello to everybody who's joining us in the live chat right now, to those of you that will be watching this back later on. And of course, to our listeners on the audio platforms. Um, great to uh, great to see how many of you are supporting and tuning into the podcast. And we're not quite at the 30,000 mark yet um, when it comes to um, the YouTube channel. We're not a million miles off, though. In fact, I'll give you a quick update on where we are exactly. We are currently uh, sitting on, as I record this, 29,866 subscribers. So we're, what, 134 subscribers away? That should be achievable pretty soon, hopefully, if things keep going as they are. Um, as I've said to you guys before, whenever you get close to a milestone, it feels like it drags. But really, when I'm looking at sort of the subscribers that we're picking up on a monthly basis. That hasn't been the case. It's been pretty um, consistent, which is great. Um, let me say a few specific hellos before I dive into today's conversations. Um, big hello to Sko, who says, nice to catch one live from the start. It's been a while. Uh, we've got Joey with us. Um, <laughs> Sko's been watching all the uh, post-match content from our win over City. That's what's been keeping him going uh, during the break. Kartik is watching... India versus Pakistan, the mother of all clashes. India did brilliantly, didn't they, to really kind of put their foot on the gas and, and put their foot on the accelerator and, and go after Pakistan. I think it was 155 for two or something, and then it ended up 171 for seven or something like that, or for eight. Off the top of my head, I can't remember. But um, yeah, what an acceleration in terms of their bowling performance. They really sort of cut through... Um, sort of Pakistan's uh, middle sort of 
lineup, if that's what you call them in cricket in terms. But you know what I'm trying to say. Um, look, somebody asked me this question earlier on today on Twitter and I didn't get around to answering it. But the question was, who do I side with in a game like this, India versus Pakistan? Let me be clear that I don't side with any of them for any reason other than this. Um, I do have a soft spot for India when it comes to cricket because um, before I really understood cricket, and I'm not saying I have a massive understanding of it now, but I understand the rules, I understand how it works, and I do keep across what's going on in the sport. I worked for a company um, where, you know, they were big cricket fans, India fans, and there were days where India would be playing in a big match and, you know, the productivity around the place was just zero because everybody was glued to the cricket. And because of that, those were kind of the first sort of moments I had been introduced to the sport. I've always got a soft spot for India in cricket terms. Um, so I wish them all the best, of course, in the World Cup. They're hosting it and uh, what a crowd. Anyway, this is not a cricket podcast. We'll get onto the football stuff uh, in just a second. Uh, Joey is playing uh, too much golf, apparently, um, which his wife is surprisingly okay with, probably wants you out of the house, mate. I know that's how mine feels uh, when I'm at home, like today. Um, she, she keeps saying to me, like, what what are you doing today? Like, what are you actually doing today? And my answer is nothing, just watching sport. <laughs> um, AJ is uh, playing football manager. I can't wait for the new one to come out. I've decided I'm going to come out of retirement and play a bit of that. Uh, Richie says he's going to watch the rugby. I'm looking forward to the rugby later on today as well. Two cracking games back to back, four and 8 p.m. Uh, so that should be cool. Really looking forward to that a little bit later on. Uh, Shacklebolt joins us from Sweden, uh, EAFC24, keeping you company during the break. That's a good option as well. Uh, we've got John Daly in the chat too. Uh, and Brian joins us from Brooklyn, New York City. He says, love your shows. Thank you so, so much. Right. As I said, we're going to talk about Eddie Nketiah's England debut, England senior debut, I should say. We're also going to discuss which gunner in particular has inspired young Charlie Patino, who currently finds himself out on loan at Swansea, but is building quite a reputation for himself. We'll also take a few of your questions a little bit later on in the podcast. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the show. Right, let's do it. Eddie Nketiah made his senior England debut last night. He came on after 73 minutes to replace uh, the goal scorer and ultimately the match winner, Ollie Watkins. Uh, a proud moment for Eddie Nketiah, who's been a big part of the under-21s in recent history. Of course, he holds the record for the most goals scored um, at under-21 level for England. But he has had to be patient when it comes to opportunities in the senior side. I think it's really interesting because, you know, as his role at Arsenal has sort of, um, you know, become more and more prominent in that, you know, we have lost Gabriel Jesus on a few occasions to injury, meaning that Eddie Nketiah has got way more game time than he probably would have otherwise. But also the fact that he's done quite well when stepping into Gabriel Jesus's shoes has put him in a position where when you take that into account and the fact that he's the under-21s record goal scorer, Gareth Southgate couldn't ignore him anymore. And, you know, there'll be people that say, you know, he doesn't belong in the squad and there'll be people that are adamant that, for example, Ollie Watkins is better and that, you know, Callum Wilson is better. And I think it's fair that you would put those guys in a slightly higher category than Eddie right now because they play pretty much week in, week out for their sides. I know uh, Wilson's game time has been impacted a lot by injuries, but also the 
arrival of uh, Alexander Isak at St. James's Park. But I think, you know, when Eddie Nketiah is performing the way he is in a well-performing Arsenal side, as I say, it becomes impossible, doesn't it, to completely ignore him. Um, you know, some would argue that he doesn't do enough for Arsenal. Some would argue that he's someone that we need to upgrade on. And I think international football and club football are two very, very different things. I just think that when you are someone that a manager of Mikel Arteta's profile in terms of where his team are at at the moment are really trusting of, if the England manager just completely overlooks you, you start to ask questions, don't you? Gareth Southgate's got his favourites. He's shown that over the years um, in certain positions. Eddie Nketiah doesn't fall into that category. But as I say, you know, it was one of those where the noise was getting too loud. You're talking about people like, you know, um, Harry Maguire, who isn't even playing, being a big part of the England squad. And I know that's based on what he's done historically for the national team and all the rest of it. But when you think about what Eddie Nketiah is doing, which is covering Gabriel Jesus quite a bit, um, you know, he covered him pretty much over a three-month period last season when he was out and he did relatively well then. He's had to be um, called upon at the start of this season as well. And although we can all agree that Jesus brings more to the table, he has done, generally speaking, quite well. Um, you know, he does score goals when the service is there. He does work hard for the team. Is he as intelligent? Is he as good a dribbler as somebody like Gabriel Jesus? I would argue no, but I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm proud to see Eddie getting his opportunity at national team level. Now, do I think that Eddie Nketiah is ever going to be in a place where he is England's number one centre forward? No, I don't. Um, and I think if he was, England would be worried, wouldn't they, about the, the general quality in that position. He isn't on Harry Kane's level. You would argue that Ollie Watkins is better at the moment. You would argue that Callum Wilson would be a more viable solution as well for England. There was a time when Dominic Calvert-Lewin was a big part of the England squad. That's changed, obviously, over time. Um, but yeah, I just think, you know, for Eddie Nketiah, it must have been a huge relief to finally get that England cap. Now, yeah, I, I think as Arsenal fans, we should be proud of his journey and we should be proud of the fact that he is where he is today. And all of these things, like getting a senior England cap, they add to the player's value. And we spoke yesterday uh, and the day before about the striker situation. And we talked about whether or not we'd need to potentially move Eddie and Ketia on and if it was the right time to do that. We talked about the idea of raising funds from Eddie and Ketia to be able to fund a bigger deal for a bigger and better striker. And as I say, things like this, things like Eddie being in the England senior setup adds to his value. You know, the fact that he's homegrown helps as well. That adds to the value because clubs need X amount of those players. Um, and we know that there is a premium that is often paid for English slash homegrown players. So for us to have that to be able to kind of add um, to our sort of, you know, I don't know, brief, if you like, when we try to sell Eddie Nketiah, when that time comes, I think is great. And I think for Eddie Nketiah, you know, he'll be able to use that in contract negotiations. He'll be able to use that when trying to broker a deal himself in terms of personal terms with whatever club he eventually ends up with. Because I'm certain that Eddie Nketiah isn't going to stay at Arsenal for the duration of his contract. And I think at his age, he'd be, uh, you know, it's, it's fine for him to stay for the time being, but at 24 years old, which is where he's at now, there will come a time pretty soon where he feels like he needs to be playing more and more and more. And he needs to be the main man in a side rather than, the, the B option, 
You know, I'd, I'd argue that for Arsenal to go on to the next level, they need to upgrade the B option, which leaves Eddie Nketiah, unfortunately, out in the cold. And I don't mean that in a horrible way. I think you have to be ruthless sometimes. I think you have to be honest about someone's level. But yeah, I mean, it, it's great for him. And it, he took to social media um, to sort of thank God uh, for the opportunity that he was given. Um, clearly a really humble kid, clearly someone who wanted to take in the moment, given how hard he's worked to get there. Um, and I'm I'm buzzing for him. I, I really, really am. What I would ask, and, and I'm interested to get you guys' thoughts in the comments on this, is when you see him being selected for the England squad and then obviously coming off the bench and making his debut as he did the other night, is there a part of you that thinks that maybe as Arsenal fans, we give him a bit of a hard time? You know, are our standards so high right now that, you know, we're entitled to give him a hard time? And, and if it's because the standard's high, is that necessarily fair on him as an individual? Maybe it's not. You know, maybe it's not. And maybe we do need to pay a bit more respect to Eddie Nketiah than what he currently gets. Um, because clearly, on a national team level, he is viewed as an option nowadays. And I think the more he plays for Arsenal, the more he features for Arsenal, the more he contributes. He's got a couple of Premier League goals already this season for the Gunners. The more he contributes, the more... Um, you know, people will start to look at him, I think, through a different lens. And again, it goes back to this whole thing of, of sort of building up a player, not necessarily just because he's an option for you, but also the value in that can show later on when you go to sell a player. Um, but I just think, yeah, maybe we do give Eddie a hard time. Maybe we do expect too much from him at times. Uh, and maybe we should just appreciate what he brings to the table. I don't know. Uh, but it gets you thinking, doesn't it? When you see him come on for England, you, you realise that he's hit a milestone moment in his career. And you think Arsenal have been a big part of that journey. And Mikel Arteta has been a big part of that journey in particular. But also, you know, it's a testament to the work that he's done. You know, it's, it's a testament to the effort that he's put in. And his humble attitude, which I think goes under the radar a little bit. I remember listening to... Um, an interview that he gave when he got the call up, because of course he got the call up, didn't he, to the squad ahead of the Scotland game. Now he didn't play in that, but I remember listening to an interview with him. I think it was on TalkSport and he said, yeah, look, I'm just delighted to be here. You know, I can't wait to kind of work with some really top forwards and some top players and just to kind of take things from them in training and, you know, better myself. And, you know, this wasn't a kid that had got there and thought, oh my God, I've made it now. I can sort of be, uh, you know, big headed about it or, you know, that's it now. I don't need to try anymore. His first thought in his mind was, right, how can I take something from this experience to make me a better player? So, um, yeah, I, I think he's a really good lad, really humble lad, and um, I'm delighted for him. Okay. Um, Sko says, Harry Kane is obviously far ahead, but I don't know if it's a big difference between Eddie and those that you mentioned, i.e. Watkins and Wilson. Hard to tell unless he moved clubs and played week in, week out um, with tactics that suit. That's a really, really good point. You know, that that is a good point. I am not sitting here saying before people start jumping on my back that Eddie Nketiah is as good as Ollie Watkins, who I think has proven himself in the Premier League over a number of seasons now. But again, you know, it goes back to your point. He is playing regularly. He is the main focus, the main man in a, a, a sort of good Premier League side rather than being a bit part player. And a lot of players need rhythm. A lot of players need to be playing week in, week out to show their best. I think that's a, a real thing in football. I think there are certain players that have this knack of being able to come into games 
off the bench, um, you know, in, in rotational situations and deliver. But I think generally speaking, it is better for a player when they're playing week in, week out in order to be able to find their rhythm, but also build on confidence. You know, and I think when you are a sub and you're someone who gets limited opportunities, you can suffer from a bit of sort of anxiety and this this sort of feeling that you need to prove yourself really quickly every single time. So, for example, you come off the bench on 81 minutes. All that's going to be in your head is, I need to take this opportunity. I need to prove that I, I shouldn't be on the bench next week. I need to deliver. I need to give the manager something to think about going into next week's training and then leading into the next game. But realistically, what are the chances of you impacting a game with eight, nine minutes to go? Like, how likely is it that you prove to be the match winner? How realistic is it to expect that from someone who comes on so late in a game and comes on cold? So I think when you're a sub regularly and you're someone that, as I keep saying, is a bit part player, you will um, struggle with that. The mental side of it must be difficult because when you get on the pitch, it's like, oh, my God, I've got eight minutes to do something. And you don't relax and you don't always get to play your game when you're not relaxed. You don't always show you the best version of yourself when you're not relaxed, when you're on edge, when you're anxious. So I think that's um, that's something you have to factor in when you judge players that don't play week in, week out from minute one to minute 90 and compare them against players that do do that, know in their own minds that they'll be playing week in, week out um, and, uh, and, you know, and have that confidence as a result of that. Let's see uh, what else we've got. Um, Junior Gunner says uh, the problem with Eddie, um, which he was extremely good at doing, was pressing and chasing down defenders in recent weeks. He hasn't been doing it. Um, he's been watching Odegaard and Jesus do the hard yards. Some people have said that, you know, I don't think that's a, an opinion that's exclusive to yourself. I've read a few people sort of suggesting that Eddie and Ketty's work rate has dropped off recently. I don't think that's the case. And when I had a look at the stats about a week or so ago when I was having this conversation with someone, you'll find that it hasn't dropped off. Perhaps his instructions have changed. You know, Arsenal have a team, as a team have changed this season. There is now a willingness to kind of let teams have the ball in certain areas of the pitch in certain moments of games. There is a, a sort of willingness to or a want to be able to pace ourselves better than what we saw last season and at the end, we ultimately ran out of steam. So maybe that makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, I think Eddie Nketiah's work rate is one of his, his stronger assets. Um, I really, really do. Um, Don Juan says, I like Eddie, but to win league titles, Eddie ain't the man. I also believe he's close to reaching his ceiling. Yeah, Eddie as your main man isn't going to win you a Premier League title. I agree with that. But I don't think Ollie Watkins will win you a Premier League title. I don't think Callum Wilson will bring, win you a Premier League title because I don't think any of those players are in that that bracket. So when we're talking about whether Eddie deserves to be in the England side or not, it's in comparison to those guys, right? Those the, those guys are the competition. So I don't think you should dismiss his, and I'm not saying you're doing this specifically, but I don't think you should dismiss his credentials for England based on that, you know? Um, because I don't think outside of Harry Kane, England have another elite level striker. Joey says last year, we always said he needed to start to score goals. Um, has he scored from starting this season yet in any competition? Um, let's do all competitions so far for Eddie 
this season. Um, just the just the two goals so far, just the two that came in the Premier League. Now those goals came against uh, Nottingham Forest, where he started, and the second one came at home to Fulham. Did he start that game? Hold on a second. Let's have a quick look. I can't remember off the top of my head. I remember I was in Greece for this one. Um, and I remember it spoiling my evening. Um, the fact that we couldn't get all three points that day. No, he didn't. He came off the bench in that one. If you remember, uh, Arteta played Havertz and Trossard, didn't he, with Saka and Martinelli. So, yeah, you know, I think in the past we've we've said that. You're right. Um, but I, th- I still think this season it's a pretty small sample size to be judging people on. Um, too deeply, basically. Uh, John says, I think Eddie's attitude is the reason why he's still at the club over Balogun. The whole um, side of him seems humble and he seems like he's got good people around him. Agree. Um, yeah, agree with that. That's a that's a really good point. But anyway, congratulations to Eddie and Ketia, first uh, senior England cap, and hopefully that's the first of many for him. We're going to take a short pause. And when we come back, we're going to be talking Charlie Patino. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simi. It's the international break, day six of the international break, to be specific. And um, as I said right at the top of the program, I am struggling now. I, I, I really, really am. I asked you guys at the start of the show, let me know what it is you're doing to keep yourselves busy, keep yourselves occupied during this, no doubt, difficult period. <laughs> um, right, let's talk young Charlie Patino, who's currently on loan out at Swansea, and he's been speaking to male sport. And I thought this was a really, really good read. Um, of course, Charlie Patino's only made two senior appearances for the club, but he's much, much loved, isn't he, by the Arsenal fan base. Homegrown players, I guess, tend to get that, uh, but there seems to be so much belief in the talent that this young man possesses. And I know I've been on the receiving end of criticism when I've said anything even remotely critical, even if it was constructive about the 19-year-old. As I say, he's currently on loan at Swansea in the Championship and he's hoping to do enough to convince Mikel Arteta that there's a place for him at Arsenal beyond this season. One goal and three assists for Charlie Patino in the Championship so far this season for the Swans, who are down in 12th place. We're 11 games, of course into the championship season. I would ask the question, given that he's left-footed, is he sort of the number eight that we're crying out for on that left-hand side? I'm interested to get you guys' thoughts on that. I would say that he's quite similar to Fabio Vieira in that I'd prefer to see him in advanced areas than defensive areas. So I would argue that he doesn't give us much more balance than Vieira would as an option, for example. Is there a lack of strength when it comes to Charlie Patino? I would argue that that's been maybe his weakness and, and one of the factors that has prevented him getting more game time at Arsenal prior to a couple of loan spells. The championship, though, you'd think would see to that, wouldn't it? And at least put that to the test, you know, toughen him up a little bit. Um, his comments uh, in this interview, given to Mailsport, I think, I think were really cool. Um, I thought they that he came across as really mature. He came across as, as really, really interesting. And Arteta, you know, who's a big sort of believer in, you know, if the attitude's right, then eventually the player will get there. I think will have picked up his newspaper this morning with his morning cappuccino or whatever it is that Mikel likes to drink in the mornings. And I think he'd have been reading this and he'd have been sort of 
quietly pleased by it. You know, it's such a mature interview, and I'll, I'll give you some of the kind of highlights from it. Um, when asked about, obviously, his time at Swansea, he said, I want to keep racking up the numbers and helping the team to get as high up as possible. Swansea's a massive club, has a big history. Um, we were in the Premier League not so long ago, and we want to get them back to where they belong. He said, I remember at Blackpool last year playing against them. It was the toughest game I've ever played in. So to be playing for them this season is really just an amazing feeling. Training with the Arsenal first team every day has helped me develop on and off the pitch. It made me really confident. I kept going back and it felt like I was a part of the first team because I was learning under them. They've got some real leaders like Odegaard, like Bukayo Saka, who's come up through the ranks. And getting advice from him and Smith Rowe has been really good for me. When I first went over to train with the first team, Emil, Eddie, Bukayo, they came over to me, put their arms around my shoulder and just said, enjoy yourself, play with a smile on your face and just express yourself. So Charlie Patino clearly values the experiences that he's had training with the Arsenal first team. He will look at people like Bukayo Saka, like Emil Smith-Rowe, like Eddie Nketiah, as he's mentioned, as inspiration. You know, they are players that have been on this journey. You know, Eddie Nketiah went out on loan. Um, Emil Smith-Rowe went out on loan. Bukayo Saka's route was a little bit more direct into the first team. But even that, I think, was as a consequence of injuries that we had. And we had to throw him into various different positions, which, you know, he just succeeded in right from the off, which is brilliant and a testament to what a player he is. But, you know, reading this interview, and I have to say, when Charlie Patino was, um, was sort of being talked about during the summer, I was very much of the opinion that this would be the end of, of sort of Charlie Patino's Arsenal career, that he'd leave, he'd go off to Swansea and probably never return. But just reading this interview, my mind has, has changed in that I at least believe now that he really does have aspirations of returning to Arsenal. And I really believe that, you know, if he continues doing all the right things, he'll be given that opportunity. Mikel Arteta's shown before that, you know, somebody going out on loan doesn't mean it's the end of them. There have been examples of players, of course, under him that have gone out on loan and never returned. But I think if he believes in you and if he sees the improvement, then he will be more than willing to, to welcome Charlie Patino back into the fold and back to our football club, uh, which hopefully he can then push on. As I say, the homegrown factor is massive. He's well-loved by the Arsenal fans. He's really popular for someone who's only played twice for the first team. Um, and, and I think, you know, he's someone that, the fans are willing to do well, but he's got an opportunity now at Swansea City to show what he can do to develop physically, which I think is the biggest sort of weakness. I, I would say maybe that's a harsh way of putting it because you can't really help how you're built and all the rest of it. You can work on it to a degree, but a lot of it is, of course, genetic. But I think that that is the thing that I've always looked at with Charlie Patino and thought if he could just improve there, if he could just make himself a little bit more physical and be able to to put himself in a position where he can withstand some of the challenges that he's going to face and, and some of the um, demands of those jewels that you get in the Premier League week in, week out, then there's no doubt about his talent on the ball. There's no doubt about what he can do with the ball at his feet. So, you know, I've always felt like that was kind of the missing piece with him. And I always think it's a great indicator um, of someone's attitude and whether or not they have the right attitude to succeed when they themselves understand what it is that they need to improve on and are focused on that and are willing to do whatever it takes to rectify 
that particular aspect of their game. He said physicality is one of the main aspects I want to improve. I go in and I do extra recovery, extra gym sessions to better myself as a player. I think it's important because if I want to step up and be a Premier League player, the games are a lot quicker now and you have to be ready for the 1v1 duels and battles that happen all over the pitch. So to read that from Charlie Patino makes me think, great. You know, not only does he have the desire to return back to Arsenal and make a name for himself and have an impact, but he also has a clear path in his mind in terms of the things that he needs to improve. And he's willing to do whatever it takes, whether that be extra gym sessions, um, you know, extra recovery sessions to make sure that he's on that clear path towards where he wants to be. And listen, if Charlie Patino does all of those things and improves in all of those areas and still doesn't get an opportunity at Arsenal, then, you know, that'll probably be quite difficult for him to, to swallow. And it'll probably be quite difficult for him to process, you know, when you really want something and it doesn't happen, you know, it can be demoralizing. It can feel like a kick in the gut, but he would be able to look back and say, well, I've got no regrets with regards to what I did. You know, he won't be looking back thinking, if only I did a bit more of this, or if only I did a bit more of that, he will be, I think, confident in the fact that he gave his absolute all, gave his absolute everything. And if he continues to perform at Swansea the way he has, and it doesn't work out for Charlie Patino at Arsenal, he will be in a great position to move to another Premier League club. And I think there'll be Premier League clubs keeping an eye on him at the moment. I think there'll be Premier League clubs more than willing to hand him a contract um, and make a deal happen for him. So, yeah, look, I'm hoping it works out for him with Arsenal. But if it doesn't, then, you know, I, I wish him all the best moving forward. But I, I have to say, when he went out on loan to Swansea, my initial gut feel was this is the end of Charlie Patino's Arsenal career. Just reading that, though, I've got a glimmer of hope that he might well end up coming back to Emirates Stadium. And you know what? Going one better and succeeding. We'll see. We'll see. Right. We're going to take a short pause and then I'll take a few of your questions uh, before I get back to the cricket. Uh, don't forget to leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. Subscribe to the channel if you're brand new. And if you're listening on audio, please do leave us a review. Make sure you check out the Chronicles of Aguna 2 on the Another Slice platform. I'll be back in a mo. Get your questions in now. Hello, 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 hello. Okay. Um, Don won with a question uh, related to the Champions League. Says, question, Harry, thoughts on the fifth place in the Premier League getting Champions League due to previous European performances. Personally, I think it's UEFA just trying to keep the big clubs happy. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I am dead against the new format of the UEFA Champions League. I'm open to being proved wrong. I'm open to the idea of, you know, maybe I watch it next season. And I think actually this is great and I really enjoy it. But at this moment in time, I'm dead against it. I, I really feel strongly about this decision to rip up the format of the best tournament in world football and try something new because it brings more games, which brings ultimately more revenue. You know, the Champions League is something that is special and it's something that is sacred. You know, if you can qualify for it, it it's amazing. You know, it's a, it's a privilege. It's an honour. I think if you start giving places to anybody and everybody, then all of a sudden, you know, it, it doesn't have that value anymore. I would even argue that you shouldn't be giving four places to the Premier League. So you can imagine what I feel about the idea of a fifth. You know, I I, I don't think, I, I don't think the format of this competition 
needed to change. And I don't think some of the changes that we're going to see, i.e. extra places given as a result of that change in format, are something that I can get behind. So I'm I'm dead against it. Um, and, and you're right, it is from UEFA to get more big clubs in it, to get more games, to get more money, all the rest of it. I just, yeah, not not keen. Um, not keen. Angel Hernandez says, do you think Enketia still has room for improvement besides experience or has he reached his peak? I think at 24 years old, you have to say, or you should say that, you know, you can't rule out further improvement, but whether that improvement will be enough to take him from being a good striker to an elite striker, I don't know, is is my answer to that. Um, I think that he is um, someone who has, as we've touched on earlier on, the right attitude, a lot of good attributes. But yeah, you do wonder if he's kind of reached at least close to his ceiling. You never want to say never with regards to improvement for someone that's 24 years old. But, you know, you, you have to go by what you've seen so far. And based on what we've seen so far, you can't put your hand on your heart and say, yep, he is just kind of one of those players that's sort of bubbling under the surface and eventually he's just going to go pop and all of a sudden he's going to be great. Um, Great question. Thank you. Uh, John says, do you think we should send Patino to Luton? Sambi got injured. Also, they're getting players like Townsend, and Barkley and past it players. Listen, Luton are just going to do whatever they can to try and make a fight of staying in this division. I don't believe they will stay in the division. I believe they'll be uh, relegated. I, I almost think that it's pointless sending players on loan to clubs like that. I don't really agree with Sambi Lakonga going there. I, I couldn't understand why Sambi Lakonga um, thought that that would be a good move, why Arsenal's loan officers thought that that would be a good move. You know, it feels to me like it's with Sambi Lakonga, it's kind of one of those, well, you know, this is not going to work. So let's kind of throw him on the scrap heap and he has to go somewhere. So let's send him to Luton because they're the ones showing interest. To me, he's he's got to be somewhere where he can play his game. And I don't think he'll be able to play his game at Luton Town. I just don't. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that loan move was a particularly good one. And again, the same with Patino. I think he's better off going to a club in the championship that will try and play football, football that suits his game. Obviously, he gets to sort of experience the physicality and all the rest of it. But, you know, it's better that he's at a club that suits his game than he is at a club like Luton Town, who is probably going to bypass the midfield a lot. So, yeah, um, I wouldn't have sent Patino to Luton and I wouldn't have sent the Conga there either, to be honest with you. Uh, Trini Guna says, hi, Harry, question. I've been hearing comparisons made between Kai Havertz and Dimitar Berbatov in terms of their play. Do you think this has any validity? Well, I think, you know, Dimitar Berbatov technically was was superb. And I think that Kai Havertz is widely thought to be really, really strong technically. And that's part of the comparison that's made. I think another part of why this comparison is made is because they both have this kind of languid style where they sort of walk around the pitch at times and it's very easy to look at them and go they're lazy but actually they're not and the statistics disprove this notion or this idea that they're lazy so I think I can understand why that comparison is being made they've both got history with Bayer Leverkusen as well but in terms of how they are as players I think there are some significant differences um, but I, I get why people are making that comparison. As I say, the Leverkusen connection, um, the fact that both of them have been accused of not really doing much at times in football matches, although Berbatov's outputs were, were far superior. 
but it's more about body language and style. And whenever people say, oh, that languid kind of lazy looking style, one of the first players I think Premier League fans think of is Dimitar Berbatov. And so I think that's why um, that's why we are uh, where we are with that. Um, Jorn Helga Magnusson says, Noosa has been a game changer in Norway's three matches and has made a huge impact. Should Arsenal take a look at him? Arsenal should certainly take a look at him because everything I've read and the highlights I've seen um, around this young man are really, really encouraging. I'd be lying if I'd said I'd watched a lot of him live. Um, I couldn't bear to watch Cyprus play in Norway the other night because I knew Cyprus would get absolutely trounced, um, which they did. But, you know, I've read a lot of positive things about this player. Look, Martin Odegaard is our spy in the Norwegian camp, right? You know, and you'd hope that he'd be feeding back um, whatever needs to be fed back to Arsenal Football Club should they decide to take a look at this player. But yeah, for me, it's it's one of those where I don't really want to go too far on in terms of commenting because I, I'd be lying if I said I knew a lot about the player. But it's certainly a name that has caught my attention um, in recent times. So, yeah, um, why not? Why not consider it? Um, Don Juan says, a question, Harry, how are you finding life at TalkSport? And I agree with what you said. The media are overhyping Ange. See, like... I love being able to work on the radio, right? It's it's a privilege and I and I'm so grateful to Talk Sport for all the opportunities they give me and stuff. And, you know, I'm I'm doing the show on Fridays over on Talksport 2, and I'm getting to do other bits and pieces on the main station as well, doing the morning paper review tomorrow, bright and early, 7 a.m. I think we're on air. Um, so that's great and I and I love it. And, you know, I know that Talk Sport's not everybody's cup of tea, but you know, just because someone else makes wild comments, it doesn't mean that I need to. I'm gonna go on there and I'm gonna tell you what I genuinely think. I'm not trying to be clickbait. I'm not trying to be that guy. Um, when you see TalkSport videos come out on YouTube, often they are playing the game, right? They're, they're trying to drive as much clicks, as many clicks to a video as possible. And if you watch the video that they released of me yesterday, you'll know exactly what I mean. Um, I'll read, in fact, I'll read you the title of that video now um, because this has got me quite a bit of stick from... Uh, the Tottenham Hotspur supporting population. I actually did a commentary on Tottenham's game at Luton last week for BBC London Sport, and I was really complimentary of Spurs because I thought in the first half in particular, they were great. They were really, really good that day and, and deserved the plaudits. They didn't continue that in the second half, but that was probably more so a consequence of the fact that they were down to 10 men and all the rest of it. But if you read... Um, some of the comments on this video that Talks will put out, you would think that I sat there and slagged off uh, Ange Postacoglu uh, for ages. And I didn't. Like, we spent most of the eight to ten minute section talking about Arsenal. And then at the end, when when asked about Ange Postacoglu, I said, look, I think he's he's done a wonderful job on the pitch. I think he's done a great job on the pitch. I think there's so much for Tottenham Hotspur fans to be excited about at this moment in time. But I do feel like the media seem to hang on his every word at the moment. And I do feel like he says some things that if another manager said them, if Mikel said them, if Pep said them, if Jurgen Klopp said them, they would be taken in a different way. You know, for example, when he was asked that question about fantasy football, which personally, in my opinion, is not the right question to be asking him anyway. And he kind of said, well, you can do what you want, mate. Like, if... If any of those other managers I mentioned said what that what Ange Postacoglu said in that tone, it would be seen as rude, prickly, all the rest of it. Because Ange Postacoglu's winning games, because Ange Postacoglu has got them playing a, a nice style of football 
And because the mood around Tottenham is really positive at the moment, you know, it feels like the media are hanging on his every word. That's all I said. Um, but the title is, there's too much hype. Harry Simeu isn't sold on Ange Postecoglou. So you can imagine what people are saying about me in the comments, which, listen, I'm thick-skinned enough to take. But um, that's that's one thing that I would want to see done differently if it were me. I, and I know that the game is to get the clicks and I know that the game is to get the views and all the rest of it. And if those videos don't get views, then, and, you know, I don't bring value to the show, then, then what's the point in having me? So I understand that there's a business need there. But, it, yeah, um, I, I do think that sometimes people will see a title like that, will go after you, um, and the truth is that they haven't actually watched the video and listened to what you actually had to say because they've just read uh, a, a sort of tagline created by someone who's uploading the video looking to generate as many clicks as possible. So, yeah, um, that's kind of my only frustration with it from time to time. Sometimes I'll say something and they'll put it out as a clip and, and fine. You know, I, I stand fully behind it. I just think that sometimes the titles don't always reflect what it is that you said or, or the con and don't give you the context around what you said. And that can lead to some criticism, which you know, I, I can take. I'm a big boy. Uh, Steve says, uh, when at talk sport, are you tempted to slap Adrian Durham? Actually, Adrian Durham is one of the best people um, that you'll meet in this industry. And I know that, you know, he'd, he'd go on the radio and wind up Arsenal fans and all the rest of it. And I used to bite at it as well myself and used to get really wound up. But he's a, he's a top, top guy. He's like an encyclopedia of football and knowledge. And there's been a few games where I've been working for BBC London and I've been sitting one or two seats down from him and he's doing the sort of around the grounds bit presenting that on talk sport to be able to do that the way he does make it sound so seamless and have the knowledge that he does around every single fixture that they're covering i think is incredible so as a broadcaster i've got loads and loads of respect for him and as a man i've got respect for him as well which i wouldn't have said to you before i came across him um you know on a sort of personal level and I don't know him very very well and you know we say hello and, and all the rest of it but you know from what everyone tells me as well you know he's very very well regarded he is a bit of a wind-up merchant as is everybody um on TalkSport you could argue but um yeah uh, my opinion on him has certainly changed for sure right I am gonna leave it there uh, thank you all so much for joining me I'm gonna get back to the cricket um and uh yeah hopefully uh as I say, I've got a sweet spot for India, so hopefully they can uh, see this through and uh, and go and win the match against their fierce rivals, Pakistan, uh, in what remains uh, of today's game. I'll catch you all possibly tomorrow, if not, then Monday. Um, but yeah, stay, uh, stay safe. Have a great day. Um, try not to be too bored with the uh, international break. Take in some other sports. It's a great opportunity to do that, isn't it? Um, you know, cricket, rugby, as I mentioned, there's influencer boxing tonight if you're into that kind of shit uh, i think there's proper boxing as well a little bit later on into the night but i'm not sure i'll be staying up for that but anyway i'll catch you all soon thank you so so much uh, for joining me as always have a great day goodbye i'm martin tyler and you're listening to harry Simeon.